0: I think I shared with you all in our prayer time beforehand that everything that we had been doing in Peru was leading up to some of the things we were able to do on this trip and building towards the I conference and the, the I conference the Bible conference um, and uh, everything from from medical to soccer to just door-to-door evangelism to discipleship uh, to building in House everything that many of you have been involved in and given to uh, whether it's resources and time, even the eye surgery of this trip, all of that poured into uh, what was going on at the Bible conference and reinforced what we were able to do and, and see on the spiritual side of it. We, we've we known from the beginning that there's, there's two dynamics of opening up and meeting physical needs so that the spiritual needs are, are able to be met as well. And so uh, this trip kind of saw both of those in very new and unique ways uh, be fulfilled and doing some new things. Uh, beforehand, I, I think we were going to the airport, I, and I, I may have talked to a couple of you here. I, I say, you know, this was a very stressful trip um, were it not for the sovereignty of God and knowing that we serve a God who's in control of all things. Uh, because on the way down there, on, in the days leading up and all the planning, even— the day before we leave, we get a phone call, and they said, "You know, everything that you've done, they don't have any of it." And I'm talking about on the, for the eye surgery team, and yeah, you know, I'm I actually it was an email, and I'm sitting there reading that, going, "My goodness, I'm not going to tell Mark this." Um, so I didn't even call him until later that night after most of that got resolved, um, because I was thinking, if they don't have anything, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do if we get down there and go, "Okay, we don't have anything to do." And uh, I told Steph that afternoon, it's just one of those things where we trust in God's sovereignty and sent it back to him. And they emailed us back in a few hours and said, okay. And, um, you know, everything we did this week depended on the response of the people there and, and what they were doing. Um, we we went knowing, you know, what we did and, and doing what we do. We feel like we do pretty well. I've, I'm pretty confident that, that Mark's a pretty good eye surgeon and the team he assembled was an excellent team. And I was pretty confident that, um, you know, between me and Mike and George, we could take care of finding out what's going on and and what we need to do and and being able to teach. I felt confident about that, but we didn't know who was gonna come up on that end and if everything was gonna get down there and all that. So we just trusted in God's sovereignty and God's providence and, and God showed himself to be gracious and to be in control of all things. So. I want to let you hear about that. You'll see that theme, I think, very prevalent in what Mark's going to share. So have him come on up, um, just all the challenges they met. That's an understatement that I, what I put on one of the slides there, that they made a challenge around every corner, and I think he can tell you a little more about that and God's providence through it all.
1: Well, as you all know, I'm a—I'm not an eloquent speaker, and I don't necessarily love to speak, but I like to, um, you know, it's good to, to review what happened at, on the mission trip and, and to just show that God is sovereign, um, I think Todd meant uh, the eye calamity in the, in the Bible conference. I needed to see those slides uh, because, uh, it, it, you know, it, it was a rough time. It wasn't a good time. Um, it was probably, I would say, the worst two days of my life. <laughs> I, except for my, it, I'm, I'm going to kind of talk, my mom's here, and, and I'm going to introduce Chantel Ambergy. Would you stand up? And, and Kathy Hadley. Uh, I am a decent eye surgery but at eye surgery but I had the best team that you could get. I, I picked the best uh, undoubtedly I picked the best people to take with me and um, Chantel works in our office and she calculates the lenses and everything and so I need somebody that was really good and then also somebody that wouldn't uh, you know fall apart under difficult conditions and this was a, this was pretty bad and uh, Kathy uh, is you know a, a really go-getter and, and it's been in surgery. It had a surgery in Columbia for 30 years, and I needed somebody like that to step into this disaster that we stepped into, to, uh, you know, to get things done. I mean, it was socialized medicine is is a disaster. Anybody that, that that talks about socialized medicine doesn't understand anything about it until you've been through what what we had to go through at the hospital, and it was the worst two days of my life, except for maybe when I was eight and went to Camp Ernst. I'm not, I'm not sure. I got. I got awfully homesick there, and tried everything in the world to get them to bring me home, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't do it. But this is this is a picture of uh, Chantel doing uh, scans um, in the halls of Culpa. Um We're using a car battery there, in case you don't know. And I'm not even going to talk about all the things that happened before we got there, because before we took off for the trip, we—we we can't. We, there must have been thirty or forty things that happened before we could even get going and finally we had to buy a microscope i had to buy a microscope myself and uh and we saw them going through our baggage at uh, at delta todd saw them and and you know that's going to be like a callback that'll be important later on when you hear when we get the surgery but so we this right here is after we drove up to baños uh and we plugged the transformer in that todd and i bought we just thought let's get an extra transformer um uh, and a surge protector. So we plug that in up in Banyos trying to do the clinic and do the measurements up there, because I wanted to get it done up there. I didn't want to do all this down here in Culpa with the other people coming in, and, and we're trying to use the equipment. All of a sudden, something starts smoking. You know, and, and, and sure enough, it burned the transmitter up and the, the, uh, the surge protector up, and so we had to do, this, do the measurements done in Culpa, and we had to hook up a car battery, take the battery out of the truck, and hook it up to the autorefractor. And I, I don't think that that's ever been done before. <laughs> I really, I think we, we uh, forged new ground on that. You can go to the next slide there. Just, there we go. Now that you can just keep on going. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Never see that. That was Todd's idea. I gotta give him credit for that. Go, go ahead, and go to the next slide. So we got all the measurements. Uh, we had originally scheduled to do, to do 20 patients and we had six from, uh, six from Banos, and one of the ladies um, that we did, she, there had been a, a team there in March or April, a bunch of Korean doctors, and they had blinded her in one of her eyes, and, and she needed to have surgery in the other eye, and she was afraid to have surgery, but she couldn't see. And you know, we discussed it for a long time. I said, honey, I can't promise you nothing's gonna happen. I think you'll do very well. I, I, I'm 99% confident you'll see well. But, you know, I can't tell you for sure. You know, only God's in control of everything. So we talked about it, and, and she decided to go ahead and have surgery in the other eye. But she was afraid because she had been blinded by the other people in the other eye. So keep on going. So, we're, so we saw, we brought sticks down for Banyos. We did the clinic, brought them down here. We're measuring them all. Now we're measuring some of the people. Uh, did we measure anybody else? We measured Daniela's mom, right? Is that it? I can't, I, I'm, I can't remember. So much stuff happened, guys, I can't even remember on the trip. I'm still kind of dazed from it. But, um, but I don't think we did anybody else because there, there was a clinic, um, there was a, a, a big um, celebration going on in Rivera, and, and some of the people wanted to go to that. And then some of the people also had to take care of their cows. And it's kind of sad that you wouldn't be able to have eye surgery if you're blind because you have to take care of your cows and there's nobody that can take care of them. But, you know, that's, that's what happened. You know, we, we couldn't do some of the people because they didn't have people to help them. And, and that's how, I mean, that's how poor they are. Keep on going. That's just a van I like. That has no, no relevance whatsoever. <laughs> That's, so, so we, uh, let me see. Okay, so this is us putting the surgery, uh, the microscope together. But uh, before we got there, what happened is we, uh, the hospital said that, that they were going to transport the patients down to the, from, from Culpa to Horel, which is what, two hours? Roughly two hours. So so the ambulance driver gets there, that the, ma- the mayor from vis- Visca's, Prepays, the ambulance driver sits there for four hours, goes in and eats a bowl of soup and takes off and doesn't take any of our patients down to the hospital and Laurel. We'll are out. So uh, we're sitting there getting ready to go with no patients. So we, we managed to arrange some transportation for them. I guess uh, Maria did at the hospital, which she later got chewed out for because she didn't have permission, even though she's second in charge of the hospital, which, again, is a socialized medicine disaster. And I'll say this over and over and over. Uh, But, uh, so, when we got there, we had to get them to their hotel, we had to feed them, feed our patients, get them to the hotel, and then we, uh, they all had to have blood work done that night, which they don't, you don't ever need blood work, but because it's in the rules, in the hospital rules, they needed to have blood work for the the cataract surgery, so that took some time. So I don't know what time we got in, 12 o'clock, maybe, something like that, I don't know, well, you weren't there, so you don't know, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm asking him, and he's nodding. It's like I'm thinking, you weren't even there. So we, we go, to, go to surgery. We're unpacking our stuff to start clinic at 7, and, um, and they say, can you see some patients for us? Can you see some patients before we get started? It's like, oh, brother, here we go. So I said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. But, you know, we're starting at 7, so I, I'm going to start any time. So I'll see as many as I can, and then what I'll have to do is as I do my surgeries, I'm going to run back and forth and see the patients. Okay. So I'll do the surgery and then I'll knock out three or four patients. I'll do a surgery and, uh, and we keep on, on going and, uh, I've done, I've, I'm working and, uh, every 15 minutes they come up to me and say, we're not going to be able to do the surgeries. And there's some ridiculous reason. I mean, it's over and over and over all throughout the day. You know, we have to get this lab and they have to their kidneys checked. It's like you don't have to check their kidneys for cataract surgery. And it went on and on and on, and, and, and it was just unbelievable. But go through some of these slides here. Flip the next one. This is just me trying to, uh, without Tim Jackson, by the way, I couldn't have done any of the surgeries. He helped me uh, put my microscope together. I'm not mechanical. I can do eye surgery, but I can't put anything together. And Tim, Tim donated all the uh, help. He donated, him to surgical delivery uh, service Uh, pinnacle surgery and he donated all the equipment and he's very mechanical and helped me put it all together then he scrubbed for me too, he was my first scrub so here here we are putting it together go ahead and go through the next slide next slide next slide and there's my first surprise Uh, $3,000 that's XY on the scope that allows you to go this way you know XY this way which you need in cataract surgery because you have to constantly move the scope while you're focusing it and Delta busted that for me. That's $3,000, um, but God is sovereign. Luckily, this, even though it looks bad, uh, it, it does work. So it, it did work. Not well, it might have been broken a little bit because I did have a little bit of trouble, but it, it did work okay. So let's go to the next slide. So here we are in surgery. I, can't, I think the one on the right is Danilo's mom. Danilo's mom, and um, we got into surgery. You can go to the next one see Freddie up there. Freddie was helping us. He was indispensable because he talked to him in a real gentle voice in, um, in uh, Spanish, and he would gave what we call verbal anesthesia because they didn't give the drugs. They didn't have the drugs I, we ordered, and we found out that we would not only be paying for the, even though the hospital said they could do everything for us, we would be paying for all of the patients' um, lodgings, their food, we would pay for their IVs, we'd pay for everything, and we'd pay for the drugs that we were using and they wanted me to do other surgeries for them, which we did, we worked them in and did their A scans and they wanted me to pay for the drugs for their patients too. I mean, it went on and on, but keep on going. Freddie's having fun. Freddie's gonna come and stay with us too here. He's gonna get his knee surgery done. He's gonna come and stay with us for three months at least. Go to the next slide. So here we are in the OR. Um, there's Kathy uh, getting ready to scrub the patient. In socialized medicine, we don't change sheets, right, Kathy? We take the same patient in, put them on a sheet, sheets get wet, you lay the next patient on the wet sheets again, over and over and over. You never pull this, you only do uh, laundry once a day in socialized medicine. Um, And let me see, the, the bed, what we tried to do was we tried to flip the bed around because I sat on the side and I needed to have my legs underneath the bed and there was a big metal thing there and I couldn't do that, so we thought, well, we'll flip the bed around, and, and I've been through a lot a lot of rural small hospitals, and so has Tim, so we've, you know, God has prepared us ahead of time for disaster. I've, I would used to get mad at things that would happen to me in life and not understand why the lights would go out with, on me in surgery. I've had the lights go out on me four times in surgery uh, before when my, the instrument's in the eye, and I'd say, I cannot believe this is happening to me again, and then say, I've never seen this happen before, and I'd say, What's well, happened to me three times, four times in the States, one time here, uh, which is I will show you a picture of that, I think. But uh, we couldn't use the bed, so we thought, well, we'll flip the patient around and we will put, them, put their head at the, at the feet. And so we put her, her head at the feet and as we were going to the surgery, we were watching it and she's starting to go like, like this and the, the feet thing were opening up and we almost dumped her on her head. We grabbed her, pulled her up, switched her and switched around and put, put her head the other way. And I'll go to the next slide. Kathy's happier than I am. <laughs> next slide. I'm like having an ulcer right now because they, they ran like 50 patients, 60 patients through the clinic, and we're only supposed to do 20. Next slide. Tim's just spazzing out there. I mean, he was he was about str- high strung like I was, and I'm not. I'm always laid back. Go next slide. That's putting the uh, lens in. Next slide. I know I've got... There we go. There's my setup. Because I couldn't stick my feet under the, leg, under, uh, the bed, I had to sit on that old wooden stool because they didn't have n- any good surgery stools, and I had to have my legs spread out like this and work the pedal like this with one leg and work the, uh, the FACO pedal and, the, and then the, the focus and everything and my XY on the other leg, and my legs were sp- like this. Which, it's not easy to do surgery like that, you know. I mean, it really is. <laughs> That's an understatement. I kept on hitting the, hitting the pedal and changing it in there, changing the settings, and Tim would get mad at me and, and say, quit hitting the settings. Like, I can't help it. I'm like a duck here. And then the next slide, same thing. Just complete disaster. There's the, the work of Delta, the fine people at Delta. Next slide. Flip the next one. I was obviously, I was disturbed about it. I took a lot of... <laughs> I was very agitated about that. Next slide. There's Kathy, got her with her eyes closed, and, and the patients. Um, I'm forgetting a lot of things. We, we started at seven, didn't start operating until four. Yeah, we had an emergency surgery, they, they, thank you. And you guys, I can't remember it all, so you gotta help me, so, and please yell out. Had an emergency surgery, oh yeah, I mean, I'm forgetting a bunch, of so much stuff we ha- we decided to do surgery on the day when they uh, apparently discovered oil in Peru and so they so it was a uh, national holiday so everybody took off for two days and if that wasn't enough they uh, had a, uh, a a worker strike and so none of the doctors they were missing half was that half the doctors and nurses and everybody employees in the hospital so we don't we have a national holiday and a worker strike and then I, oh yeah, so we we get to the point where we have six surgeries to do from, at four o'clock, and I'm thinking, okay, finally, we're going to roll through this, and then we get through all those, all the things that we saw there, and we're trying to deal with all the different adverse conditions, but, uh, but uh, I don't even know what, where I'm at now. Sterilizer, that's it. That's what I was trying to get to, <clears throat> so we get going, and they say, they say, well, You know, you can do cases, two cases, but then we have to use a sterilizer, and that takes two and a half hours to run a sterilizer. So it's going to be two and a half hours between every two patients. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we can only run the sterilizer three times because we don't want to wear it out. And it's like, go get Maria, because Maria was second in charge of the hospital. And the problem is, is apparently, if you're second in charge of the hospital, you have no authority over the different departments. So the sterilization department, they had to get approval from their boss and go way up the chain. And we thought, well, we'll just use the microbiology uh, sterilizer because that was Tim's idea. Uh, And like I said, I did assemble the best team. I mean, these guys have been around the block many, many, many times and had crazy things like this happen. Uh, They just didn't have have it all happen in a matter of four or five hours. You know, we've had that happen over 30 years to us. But but anyway, um, the microbiology people wouldn't let us use it. They, you can't use it because they didn't have permission from their boss. And see, nobody wants to get fired in that system, you know. And, and so we, we had a lot of problems till what happened? We were working on the, micro, the head of microbiology. Uh, her mom, or no, it was her dad. Yeah, so we were actually doing cataract surgery on the head of microbiology's father. And when she found out that we weren't being allowed to use the sterilizer, things changed quickly. So that was a blessing from God because otherwise we wouldn't have been able to use it. We just happened to be working on a father. Uh, so if I'm leaving anything out, guys, yell out to me. Uh, there's about a thousand other things that happened, so let's go keep on going. Oh, yeah, that's a, I, I, I got that for a Christmas gift. One of my friends, that's an optometrist, gave that to me, and it worked much, much better than my ophthalmoscope. And, and that helped me get through the clinic. I happened to drop that, though, and crushed it that night. So uh, let's keep on going. It just kept on getting bad from work. We did have a little bit of fun. That's Kathy getting Tim riled up, and we were recreating the scene. I go to the next thing. And this was Tim went out the door like that with his hands up. We had a, uh, we had a little bit of fun there, but go ahead, next, next slide. Okay, go ahead, next slide. Okay, so I think that's, as far as surgery, I think that's about it. As far as um, the cases, everybody did real well, believe it or not. It's hard to believe, but we got out, the, out of surgery at 1230 midnight, with all of their disasters. And then we went and we operated the next day and uh, we had still, for some reason, even though we had been through all that the first day, we still didn't do much better, did we? What time did we get out, girls? Six o'clock? Started at seven and got out at six and we only did six cases. Um, found out during... Lights went out the second day, yeah. that Okay, yeah, that's something that was fun. We're, we're operating, and, and, and I was operating, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking through the, through the scope, and the, the, the light goes down, and then I, I said, I told Tim, I said, something's wrong with the scope, and the lights went down again, and then Tim said, which is something you never want to hear in surgery, said, I smell something burning, something's on fire, <laughs> and, and we looked behind us, and sure enough, water had dripped into the, it's uh, a Transformer Girl's Surge protector? I'm still in shock. I don't know. Was it a surge protector? So it drips into the surge protector and just blew up, like, started short, shortening out, and we had water all over the floor. And like Kathy said, we were, actually, she was more worried about Freddie getting electrocuted when he was trying to unplug it than actually something happened. So boom, lights go out. I'm in the dark with the instruments in the eye, and the, the area that we're operating is about half the, the width of your thumb, thumbnail there, so half the depth of that, so not a lot. And I've got the instruments in the eye, but luckily this has happened to me four times in the United States. And, you know, God, God is sovereign. God prepares you ahead of time, you know, because I'd been through that before. So, it, you know, it didn't panic me or anything. So I uh, just, just gently backed the instruments out of the eye. Luckily, I'd bought a new flashlight before I came. Uh, I guess not luckily. It's God's sovereignty again. And I got Kathy to get the flashlight, and she shined it obliquely uh, to the side of the eye. And I looked through the scope. And I knew you could do that because I've had the lights go out on me in clinic through the slit lamp. And, you know, like I said, you know, it, it's very frustrating for that to happen in a clinic when you're trying to see 70 people. But you, you do realize now that it's God's sovereignty is at play because that's happened to me three or four times in clinic. And I've looked with a, a, a light from the side and looked through the oculars, and I could still see the patient. Um, so I knew what to do. I, t- Kathy got the flashlight, and we... I injected the lens from the side, and then we uh, tried to uh, clean up the rest of the uh, cortical material of the cataract. And we probably could have shut it up, shut the eye up, but in that situation, I didn't want to have a a high-pressure spike or didn't want to have prolonged inflammation. So I thought it was critical that we get that extra little cortical material out of there, that little cataract material, so we waited. Uh, There was a surge protector right next door in the OR, but they wouldn't let us use it because they didn't have permission. Uh, Even though we have an open eye setting there, um, and socialized medicine, uh, you can't, I guess, (laughs) make any decisions on your own. I don't know. And so they had to go up the chain. And meanwhile, Jim went out in Horow and and bought a surge protector and made it back before we got permission to get the one in the door right, you know, 10 yards from us. Uh, Which, for him to find a surge protector in Horow is probably a miracle in and of itself. But... uh, That happened, what else happened? Anything else, girls, surgery? I don't know. Yeah, and then I I saw that they had a, we were doing clinic in this little room and I saw that the next day, that second day, they had a really decent slit lamp and some decent eye eye things we could have used. (laughs) They were 20 yards away, but we didn't have permission to use those either, so uh that's another uh frustrating thing but the good news the good news is is all the surgeries did great so we had we had a lady that was 2400 and which is two times worse than legally blind she was 2025 half line above perfect uh without glasses the second day and we had another one legally blind 2200 we had one that was hand motion right and she said she couldn't see anything coming in and praise god she could see 2025 you know 2025 was our magic number but I wasn't grumbling so uh without glasses What else? Anything else? Yeah, some of those poor patients went 24 hours without eating. I mean, you know, the last ones we were getting to at 12 o'clock, they hadn't eaten the night before, after 9, probably. So, I mean, yeah, they, they were wonderful, wonderful patients. Um, and I think that's about it. Um, I was going to read you, read you um, out of Matthew. I read this at the conference um, or at the, the little news thing that we had. They didn't let me speak, by the way. I was very nice. And I think they were worried that I would uh, get up there on the, the TV cameras and say some things about their hospital or their, or their system. So I was scheduled to speak, but I was not uh, ever introduced to speak. But Jim, Jim uh, introduced me, and I did get, get to uh, thank our, and recognize our team members, so that was wonderful. But, but I read this at, the, uh, at our um, conference, or our little news thing. Um, this is out of Matthew five fourteen. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lamp but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So um, I was talking to Todd and I have to apologize to him. I said, I really don't like doing mission trips, and, and I think that's not fair. I shouldn't say that. I, I saw the look on his face and and I, I think I, don't, I didn't want to hurt his feelings or anything. I do like doing mission trips, Todd. Uh, I, don't like, I don't like the traveler's diarrhea. And I don't like a lot of the things on mission trips. But I do like being with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you like our interpreters that we uh, know down there. And I do like doing the work that God's called me and, and wanted me to do. And, you know, I was telling Bill that sometimes, you know, we don't, you don't have to like what necessarily what God's called you to do, but you, should, you do have to do what God's called you to do. And I, and I just wanted to do surgery so bad, and it was so frustrating because I couldn't get in there and do it. And then when we got in there to do it, I still couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it and, and um, do it the way I felt it needed to be done, but it really didn't matter because God's hand was uh, in control of everything anyway. There's no way those patients should have seen as good as they did. There was one lady who had 375 astigmatism. And I tried to balance the numbers and put a lens in that would help her, uh, kind of neutralize some of that. And I figured I could get her to twenty eighty and she'd need glasses to see better, maybe down to 2020 with glasses. But she had a big growth on her eye, a big pterygium Well, she saw twenty forty girls, was that it, without, Danilo's mom saw twenty forty without any glasses. And that shouldn't happen, you know. And it's nothing, it just shows you that God's in control of everything, God's sovereign. So I think that's about all I have to say, unless you guys have any questions. Yeah, that's the thing. Whether I, whether I love to do mission trips or not is irrelevant. That God's given me the ability to do surgery. I can't do anything else, as Melissa will tell you. I can't fix. No, I can't. No, I'm saying I'm saying that. I can't fix anything around the house or anything like that. But I can do eye surgery, so that's and they need need to do it. But we we've got to figure out a better way to do it. I mean, Jim's working with, with those people right now. And we met with some of the people from Menza, and, and they, <laughs> Maria II the in charge of the hospital, she has to be given more fr- freedom to make decisions. She said, I've got 120 cataract surgeries uh, um, to do next year. Can you, she, can you come and do them? And I said, can, she said, I heard you could do 20 or 30 a day. And I said, yeah. I, 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 she said, can we do that here? And I said, I can do 20 or 30 a day, but, but you can't. I said, I said we're not going to do we're gonna be lucky to do five or six a day unless you change things. And I said, unless we change things, you will never get that 120 cataracts you're supposed to get. So, you know, they're, they're uh, in trouble unless they change the way they're doing things. And I, I feel sorry for them, they don't have any money. They're, they're, that hospital is dirt poor, wouldn't you say so? Girls, Kathy knows, she'd worked in a hospital forever. So when you're not changing the sheets, but once a day, Uh, I mean, that's not only disgusting and and dirty for an OR, that shows you how bad everything is. So, I think that's, unless anybody has any other questions, I think that's it for me. All right, Todd.
0: I wasn't standing behind you the whole time, I just stood up, just so you know. You know, um, I want to kind of flip pages and give you the other side of the story as far as the Bible conference. And we got down, and, you know, we have the letter and everything. I don't know how many, if Bill and Steph relayed what happened on the way down. But, uh, you know, we come to the Delta counter in Atlanta, and we're talking to them. And we went up, and the lady said, you can't take this. I can't let it on the plane. It's too heavy. And I said, we have a waiver. And she said, No you can't have it, it weighs ninety four pound or ninety three pounds and I said well your website says a hundred pounds and she said I'm sorry it's ninety four and I said okay but she said our limit seventy one here and I said no your website and I said let's look at the website and she said no 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 we went through this all big rigamarole and she consistently said no 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 and Steph called me um, Steph has the ability to call it in the most opportune times usually every Tuesday in staff meeting she calls Um, and so she just has this great ability this time it actually was a real blessing because she called and I I silenced her call it's always a blessing did y'all misunderstand me (laughs) you obviously did not hear what I said Um, but anyway this time as usual it was always a blessing and um, I silenced her on purpose lovingly and I texted her back and said pray having problems and she I think forwarded that to Bill and the lady's going no 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 and I don't know it seemed like just like that I don't know it could have been three minutes she was going no no she goes I'm gonna let you on and I went I I went as well as moments where I you know in the cartoons they go no 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 yes 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 then you start reversing I almost went no you know I was like okay and so then we're like "All right," we're trying to shove everything through and just back into cases and just an amazing thing then on the back into the flights. So of course, we planned on the same thing, coming back in Lima, except for not being able to understand what they're saying, and um, we had been told explicitly there would be no waiver on the way back uh, for the odd sizes. We'd be paying for all the bags, and you know, we had all those plans, and we said, all right, it's time to start praying, guys, and we get up, and we come up to the counter, and I go to the first guy. went to the most. The guy looked like he spoke English, and um, He said, okay, yeah, I see, okay, you've got a waiver, all right, it's good to go, and I was like, oh, man, and mine was one of the heavier ones, it was a microscope, and I sat it on knowing it was overweight, and he went, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, and I said, well, praise the Lord, you know, and so we wound up paying for two overweight bags, a very minimal charge, and again, God showed us sovereignty, Um, we found believers all week, on Sunday, we needed to find people, and, and you guys that have been before, you know that's next to impossible. Sunday we walked out. We found every person but one uh, that we needed to find. We went and tried to visit him Monday morning, and he wasn't there. Um, so you know, just an amazing thing. Uh, all the obstacles that was overcome, and that God had provided uh, opportunities to prepare them for beforehand. Um, you know, George was able to to meet and, and speak with several people. He had gotten sick one day. He was fell, <laughs> feeling pretty crummy. Uh, for a day, but but as, when he was on his feet, he was able to meet with Magna and spend a lot of time, a, a good hour with her. Met with Danio and a president of community. And again, you know, I I don't know. Sometimes we don't understand the enormity of that and how 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 good that is. But the message it sends, saying, "Hey, we want to come and help you with the needs you have." So, so that was a good thing. And, and you guys who like doing farming and agriculture. You know, talk to George. He's got a little bit more wisdom, not a lot of wisdom from there. It's always it's it's confusing talking to him. But long story short, is we have the opportunity to take an ag team there and and do something, uh, you know, and, and help them out next year. And so, so that's a neat thing. Um, a, a couple of things I want to tell you is is we came in. and A lot of you know Delia. We met her two two and a half years ago in House and last year found out she had a stroke and. To our knowledge, we may never see her again because she was pretty much incapacitated in Peru or in Lima. Uh, we walk up, and as we're looking on Sunday morning, her windows the window's open to the church she was working on. And so we ring the bell, and she sticks her head out the window. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's her. You know, we, we go up there, and uh, I think it was me and Mike and a couple others went up to visit with her, and she's back. And they've been working for a week. They've been working for a week solid on the— on the church building on the inside they've plastered all the walls you saw pictures of that and um, she got emotional one time it was another one of those things you know there's a lot of people who can teach um, but I felt like in that moment it was kinda it was God's providence that Mike SeaTac went with us being a doctor um, to teach because in that moment um, you know she got real emotional that she couldn't remember I think she couldn't, I don't think she could remember my name and some things. And, and I said, Mike, is there any way you can encourage her? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And starts looking at her meds and encouraging, saying, hey, this is normal. It's okay. Um, and I think that God used that to give her peace, you know. Um, and so Delia's back. They're going to be there all the way through November. So if you're going on the November team, uh, we've got you lined up to do a Bible conference and paint a church um, and hopefully, if all goes well, uh, then you will get to ce- celebrate the inauguration of the Church of House at the end of your week. Uh, so, man, praise the Lord that one of the things that that church is str- or that group of believers in House struggles with is, is they don't have anywhere to meet. And so now they will. And our team gets to be a part of that. Um, Delia said six months ago she couldn't talk or do anything on her own. and She's learned to talk again and walk again. And she's praising the Lord and led Magali to Christ. Uh, Magali was a young lady that Javier and the summer team this summer spent time with every week sharing the gospel with and talking to. She was Catholic and uh, they were just sharing the gospel with her all summer. And she never came to Christ, but she's been studying the word and she came to the conference. And that night, um, she roomed with Delia. You know, and little did she know God's providence would have her room with Delia. And uh, that morning, Javier came and said, Hey, Delia. Uh, led led Magali to Christ overnight oh man and Magali the whole time was smiling you know she was just she was so you could tell she was filled with joy um the here's the big thing and here's how I'm going to avoid crying tonight I'm going to talk about crying (laughs) um we've been praying for a long time for somebody to be a pastor of the church and we've learned and or at least I've learned not to get my hopes up But um, the two people that we talked about wanting to be, I say, you know, we were prepared for three people to be there at the conference. We were saying if we had three, that's a great week. It's a great week. And 12 people were there the first time, 21 the second day. Um, And it it was a great thing. Well, Hubino and Marciana, the couple from Beach Culture, are the ones that we were really hoping would be there because they've been the most consistent. Hubino is kind of the official president of the church, and, you know, he's doing a lot of the things already that we would want a pastor to do there. And so— he was there again and there all week. And uh, at the end of the week on, um, is it Wednesday? Wednesday was the, the last day of the conference. Um, I Javier and I pulled him aside. And, and I said, listen, you know, we met with you yesterday. We met with all the believers of the various towns. Mike met with uh Pacqueraus and um, and Chalca believers. And I met with the Vichicocha believers. And um, I said, you know, you're already doing what we what a pastor does in many ways, you're you're organizing the people, you're keeping them there, you're leading them to to worship and pray and you know we asked them what they did. I almost forgot to tell you this. We asked them what they did. They said, Well we come together and we we sing and then we pray and we pray for a pastor and we pray for your church every week. Um and that just man, that touched me. You know, it was one of those moments where I was like, All right I'm gonna look down and start writing so I don't cry because these people would have no idea why I'm looking at them crying. And um but anyway, I say, you know, you're doing the things. Do you have any desire to lead to be more of a an official leader or pastor? And he said, Yeah. And I mean no hesitation. And and I went, you know, at that, that time I was I wanted to like bull rush him and give him a you know a big hug. And um, I said, Well that's that's great. I, I said, you know, what about First Timothy three? So we just spent a whole session going through the qualities of of a godly leader, of the qualities of the, the elder or pastor of a church. And I said, we just spent time with that. Is there anything in there in that chapter that you feel like the church would bring as a question for you or that you would question about yourself? And he said, no, I understand it all. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Um, He said, I I just don't know how to do it. I said, we can take care of that. (laughs) I said, I'll do anything I can. I'll spend every waking hour here if we need to. Or I said, in a month there's another pastor coming, uh, Pastor Scott, and he can do it. And he said, I've got to get to the fields. I said, all right, well, I'm going to tell Pastor Scott, and Scott, I'm telling you now, uh, I said, Pastor Scott's going to come meet with you, and he's going to train you as much as he can, and we're going to give you resources, and we're going to give you everything we can to help you be a leader. And I told him, I said, sometimes God just raises up people from inside the church to lead the church and pastor the church, and maybe that's you. So we didn't leave him in an official spot. I didn't say anything to the church, and I didn't tell him to. I said, in the meantime, you use what we've given you. We've given them some resources in the past I said, use that lead and teach and and pastor these people just be a pastor don't worry about the title and and just do it and we're going to pour into you and um you know I, i'll be honest with you i he walked out and i hit my knees just crying you know and you know again it's one of those moments when it's like i don't know why everybody comes and me and george had a conversation before and we knew the veterinary needs but like, we didn't know George's going to work with the kids and stuff well uh, you know, George made my trip that week. Cause I, you know, I, I'm not a proud crier, you know, and but I, hit, I hit my knees weeping, and George happened to walk in. He just held me, you know, and uh, that's the body of Christ. Cause, man, we've been praying, we've been praying for this, and so, um, you know, I thought talking about it would make me not do it, um, but um, you know, this is huge. If it's it, I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up. But, man, I want to, you know. Um, So we're going to pray for him every day. The little prayer section in the order of worship that says pray for this part of Peru, you can count on the same thing being there every week for the next month until the November 10th. We're going to pray for Hubino. And um, I'm going to try to get maybe some cards posted. You saw the picture of him, and um, that we can pray. And I would just ask you to pray as families for this man by name that God will guard him, because I can guarantee you Satan's going to attack him like crazy. He's going to come after him, and we need him. Uh, God needs him. There's a shepherds needed in that place. And um, so I want to just read as the worship team comes up, and um, I want to read the Psalm 67. It's what we started our week with there in the valley, and it's what I want us to close our our time tonight with. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. This is our prayer. This is our prayer that that God would continue to be gracious and and bless us and shine his face upon us so that his way may be known on the earth. Our desire is that the nations, the nations would be glad and sing for joy. And God's led us to the Chonkai River Valley. We want to see them singing for joy. There's a picture up there. You couldn't see it well, but Sunday night we came up to the church and we weren't able to get there because of all the chaos with everything on Sunday afternoon. So we went up there cold turkey. We went in Sunday night and there was the believers on their knees praying, praying. That was a a precious sight to stand at the door of their church and see two or three believers down in the front just on their knees praying. That's what we want to see. It was a precious sight to hear them singing Singing for joy, that they are glad and singing for joy. And that's what we desire. We desire that the people of the Chonkai River Valley would praise God. They would praise Him that the earth is yielded its produce and that God would bless us that we can continue to share the gospel there. There's a lot of reasons that people pray God would bless them so that they could pay off their house and have a great car and have a great life. And I pray that God blesses Grace Baptist Church and our families so that we can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let us never be so nearsighted that we pray for blessings just for ourselves, but pray that God would bless us, that we could be a blessing to others and take his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to the ends of the earth, and it's Peru or wherever God leads us in the future. Let's pray together, and then let's stand and let's sing for joy in our God.